So we've been in the series, The Blessed Life, and I want you to open today to the book of John chapter 12, John chapter 12, and as you look for it, uh, this is five, uh, week five of the series, and uh, it's been a huge blessing uh, to, I, I know it's been a blessing to me as I read that book, as I've studied for the preaching, and as I've delivered the messages. And I've heard a lot of testimonies from folks that have been messaging that reading the book has been a huge blessing and the, and the sermon series. So uh, if you haven't read the book, get it and read it. It is a huge blessing. And today's topic is this, am I generous? Am I generous? And I praised it as a question because it's something that we need to consistently ask ourselves. Am I generous? By nature, we are selfish. Can I get amen? amen? But when we are born again in Christ, we are born generous. And so it's something that we struggle with because what is the first thing, the first one of the first words that kids learn? Mine! Mine! It's mine! Mine, mine, and, and, and it's, it, it, it is, it's the thing, we are born selfish. So look at what happens here in John chapter 12. It says this, then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus, who had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There, there they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him. I mean, I love the way John is describing him, right? Simon Iscariot, Simon, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Then he said, this he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box, and he used to take what was put in. I'm going to read that verse one more time. He said this, not because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief, and he had the money box, and he used to take what was put in it. But Jesus said, let her alone. She has kept this day for my burial. For the poor you will have with you always, but me you do not have always. This passage brings two questions to my mind. The first question is, why did Mary give such a generous gift? That's the first question. Why would she do this? And the second question I have is, why did it bother Judas so much? So these are the two questions that come to mind. Why did she give such a generous gift? Why did it bother Judas? And this passage, this situation, reveals two types of hearts. It reveals a selfish heart, and it reveals a generous heart. A selfish heart and a generous heart. And both hearts are revealed by what? By the giving. Mary couldn't contain herself to lavish Jesus with this gift. Judas was bothered by it. So with those two things in mind, I'll lead us to our first point. And the first point that we want to talk about this morning is this. If you're taking notes, what is the enemy of generosity? The enemy of generosity. The enemy of generosity, good answer, selfishness. 
That's the enemy of generosity. As a matter of fact, there's an age-old question or battle that takes place about God and the devil. God being generous and the devil being selfish. As a matter of fact, we can think about it this way. Generous G is from God. Selfishness S is from Satan. Generosity is godly. Selfishness is from Satan. And so here we are in this place. This is what Judas asked that question. Why? Why is she doing it? This is what selfishness does. Selfishness promotes, it protects, and it provides for self. Those three things are things that only God is supposed to do. God is the one who promotes. God is the one that provides. God's the one that takes care of us. Selfishness is trying to steal the position of God in our life. And so as you think about Judas, he did not care about the poor. That was his excuse. I mean, it says it plain as day in the verse. He didn't say this because he cared for the poor. He's the one that had the money box, and he was a thief. He was stealing from it. As a matter of fact, have you ever heard anybody say that phrase, well, they should just sell that and give it to the poor? Anybody ever heard that before? No, only a few people. All right. I hear people talk about say that all the time. Oh, that person. Oh, that preacher has that house. Why doesn't he sell it and give it to the poor? Oh, that person has this. Why don't they sell it and give it to the poor? You know who invented that phrase? Got the trademark on it? Judas, the guy that betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. He coined the phrase. See, that phrase is a, an excuse or a cover for our selfishness. Pastor Robert Morris says that he had a guest pastor at the church one time, and uh, they finished service, they finished looking at the church or whatnot, and they were driving over to his house. And as they were driving, they were going through some neighborhoods there in Texas or whatnot, getting to his neighborhood. And by the way, it's true that everything is bigger in Texas. All right. We, we were going over a barbecue joint to have some uh, a lunch or dinner on, on Monday. I can't remember what it was. It was, lunch. It was, it was like 5.30, so it was dinner, I guess, because uh, I was still hungry after service, and I was hungry from lunch. So any which ways, I eat a lot. Um, so we're driving to this restaurant, and they have all these big houses, and I understood something, and I noticed something. All of the houses had names. They didn't have an address. They had names. You know you're at a different point in your life when your house is named. And you drove down the street, it was like, awesome God house, or this house. It, all the houses had a name on that road. It was very interesting. But anyways, so he says he's driving with this pastor, and they pass by this big house on a lot of land with a pond in the front of it, and the, and the pastor says, look at that house. And Robert Moore says, yeah, it's a beautiful house. Matter of fact, the owner of that house is a member of our church. It's a really generous man, really great guy. And the pastor goes, Psst. If he was truly generous, he should sell that house and give it to the poor. So Robert Moore says he, he got there, and he's like, i got to teach this guy a lesson. He looked at him and says, you're a liar. You don't care about the poor. Why don't you sell your house and give it to the poor? See, because this is what happened. Extravagance, I'm going to give you a little definition for extravagance. Extravagance or extravagant is that that somebody else has. Watch Think this through with me for a second. You're driving down and you see a big house. You say, man, how extravagant. You get a pay raise and you move into that neighborhood and that house is no longer extravagant. The next neighborhood is. 
It got quiet in this church. Now everybody's like, mm, yeah, that's true. That, yeah, yeah. Extravagance is that that somebody else has. Because it's so much easier to point, to hide our selfishness, to hide what's truly going on in us. We deflect. Come on, isn't that one of the things that it talks about in psychology? When people deflect, to deflect away from what they're dealing with, they always point at somebody else. And so dealing with selfishness and generousness, the selfishness in us makes us look and as an excuse, well, that guy should sell it and sell it. Well, that guy should do this. Well, that or the other. Well, what are we doing? See, Judas didn't care about the poor. Judas cared about himself and the fact that he was skimming from the offering plate. He was a thief. If you remember, a couple weeks ago, we read out a book of Malachi where we talked about the tithe belongs to God. God said the tithe is mine. And the scripture said, if you keep it, you will lose it. And if you keep it, you're stealing from God. And why do people keep the tithe? Selfishness. I need me. I'm going to do better. Truth be told, right? I don't want to be like Judas. So the enemy of generosity is selfishness. Judas was looking to build an earthly kingdom. And now you think about this for a second. Who put Judas in charge of the money box? Jesus did. And do you think Jesus knew who Judas was? I mean, as a matter of fact, two years before, when he calls all the disciples, at one point he tells the disciples, you know, you guys are all my disciples, but one of you is the devil. He knew Judas was going to betray him. So you think, why did he put Judas in charge of the money box? Was it to tempt him? No. God doesn't tempt people, but it might have been to test him. To give him the opportunity to do what we're supposed to do and be right. The Bible actually tells us, if you read it in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, that there's no temptation big enough to overtake you, but with every temptation, God gives you an avenue to get out. So it wasn't that God was tempting him, but he was giving him the opportunity to pass a test and say, I'm going to honor God. But Judas was cut up on himself. He was selfish, caught up on what he wanted. He was a thief. It's a great parallel between the two. Now, the second point I want to talk about this morning is the extravagance of generosity. The extravagance of generosity. Judas looked and said, you could have sold that perfume bottle for 300 denarii. Now, denarii is the plural of denarius, right? And, and the denarius was the unit of measurement. It was the wage that somebody was paid in a day. And so somebody may ask, well, how much was a denarii worth? Well, it depends on the year because minimum wage changes, right? So minimum wage changes. So in, in 10 AD, it might have been one price. At 20 AD, it would have been another. The point is this. It was what one day's wage was, was a denarii. And somebody in that time period usually worked about 300 days a year. So the worth of that bottle was the salary of one year. So think about this for a second. If you gave to God as an offering the equivalent of one year of your salary, can you agree with me that that would be an extravagant gift? 
I mean, if you made $10,000 a year and gave God $10,000, that's extravagant. If you made a million dollars a year and gave God the million dollars, it's extravagant either way. And the Bible is full of extravagant giving. Watch, David, King David, gave to the treasury to build the temple that Solomon built, the temple, the house of God, what is the equivalent of today's money of over 21 billion, with a B, dollars. Can you agree with me that's pretty extravagant? But Jesus also said that the widow that put two mites, less than a penny, into the offering plate was extravagant. Why? It was all she had. God doesn't care about amounts, people. God cares about the heart. What is the condition of your heart? And are you being selfish or are you being generous? What's the heart matter? We can talk about more extravagant gifts. Abraham was told by God, give me your son Isaac. The same Abraham that had him at 100 years old. It's pretty extravagant what God asked. And Abraham went up that mountain with Isaac, believing that God would provide. And can I tell you the most extravagant gift in the entire Bible? God gave Jesus. His only son. He gave him that you and I might be able to enter a relationship with him. Man, that's extravagant. So I pose to you this question. Do you think that there's any amount of money that you could give that God is going to look at and be like, well, that's extravagant? I mean, the owner of all the gold, the silver, owner of everything. Yeah, I heard the story of the guy that was able to smuggle a suitcase into heaven when he died. Anybody ever hear that before? No, I'll tell you then. So he's able to smuggle, hide his suitcase to heaven when he dies, and he gets to the gate, and Peter's like, what do you got there? You got a suitcase there. You're not supposed to bring anything. He's like, he's like, he's all excited and proud. He opens it up, and he's like, look, I got gold bars. And Peter looks and says, man, why'd you bring asphalt up in here? <laughs> why? Because the Bible says that the streets of heaven are made of gold. It says that the gates are made of pearl. I mean, it's not because he's trying to be lavish. It's that stuff is, is just lying around. God's the owner of everything. So there's no amount of money that you're going to say, well, that's what's going to move the hand of God. You, now, now, now I'll, I'll pose a different question, not money now. Is there anything you can give God that he will look at as extravagant? And the answer is yes. Look what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 8.5. 2 Corinthians 8.5 says this. And not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord. Church, the most extravagant gift that you can give God is yourself. You are the most extravagant gift that you can give to God. The most extravagant gift that you can give to God is yourself. God, I don't want you to have a little bit of me. I want you to have all of me. All of me, I give to you. I will be obedient to what you say. I'm going to do what you ask me to do. I'm going to live for you. I'm going to be in my, an extravagant gift unto you. It's the most valuable thing that you can give God, the most extravagant thing that you can give God is yourself. Now, as you read the Bible, you can come across three levels of giving. Three levels of giving. The tithe the offering, and extravagant offerings. 
Every gifting, every giving that you see across the entire Bible falls into one of these three categories. A tithe, an offering, which is anything above your tithe. And remember that the tithe is not anything that you can designate it. That tithe is undesignated. You bring it to God and let God direct the people and how it needs to be done. And you're offering this thing above that. And an extravagant God offering is when God asks you to do something or give something more, way beyond what you regularly would. I'm going to share a testimony about an extravagant offering that we gave last year, or not last year, several years ago, and what God did as that, to that, for that offering. So I'm going to share that next week. So, Pastor Robert Morris says that as he was reading this scripture throughout this Bible, and he gets this revelation, three types of giving, he calls one of his elders, one of the other pastors, who was a businessman, and says, hey, so you know that there's three types of giving in the Bible? Three levels of giving? And the guy says, yeah, of course I do. So he had just figured this revelation out. So he's like, what do you mean you know? You're lying. He's like, says, he, he says, this is what he says. He says, I got upset. If you've read the book, you share, he shares a testimony. He's like, I got angry at him. Because, you know, as pastor, sometimes as you're studying and you get a revelation from God, you're like, wow, God just said that to me. But God's talking to all the other people around the planet, too, through the same Bible, right? It's not my revelation, it's God's. So anyway, so he tells the guy, so he's like challenging him. Oh, yeah, you know, so what are they? He says, tithe, offering, and painful offerings. So Pastor Ryan's like, all right, I'll give you painful, extravagant. Yeah, yeah, they're painful. He's like, well, how do you know about this? He says, see, this is a man who was very, very wealthy, multi-multi-millionaire. He sold his business at the end, uh, at the end for multi-millions and millions of dollars. This is a guy that was very well off. He says that one day he was doing all of his bills. His house was paid off. Everything was paid off. He's just doing his regular monthly bills. And, and when he finishes doing his bills, he, he decided to, he saw the balance on his checkbook. And he was like, man, like, God, you've been so good to me. And he's like, man, I wonder how much money I have. So he, he got the money from his checkbook that totaled it, and he looked up his savings account and got that amount and added it to that. Then he looked at his investment portfolio and looked at what it was worth and added it to that. And then he looked at his retirement plan and added it to that figure and got a very large figure out of those four totals. And he went to bed. The next morning he wakes up and he's in his quiet time with God, and he feels God ask him this question. Watch, God says to him, how much money do you have? And he's like, so God, like, like in my wallet? He's like, no, 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 no. How much money you have? He's like, 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 you mean like in my checking account? He's like, I knew I shouldn't have added everything up. Like, I shouldn't have done it. So then he feels God tell him, I want you to give me all that you have. Now, time out here for a second. Old Zach Morris saved by the mouse. Time, right? Remember that? Oh, I'm, I'm old. I'm dating myself. I'm not telling you this because I'm telling anybody here to go empty their bank account and give that. You give what God tells you to give. I want to be very clear. I'm not sharing this because, uh, oh, you know, God is telling you to do it. No, no, no. If God tells you to do something, you do it. Don't manipulate and let yourself be manipulated by anybody saying, if you give this, you get that. That don't work. That is against the heart of God. Am I clear? All right, time in. So he writes the check, empties the, 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 the retirement account, empties the saving account, empties his investment portfolio, empties the check, and puts it all together, writes a check, and gives it. And about 13, 15 months pass, give or take, throughout this time. And in his morning time, he feels God ask him, 
how much money do you have? And he says, he was like, God, don't, I, I don't know. I, I, he was like, I, you know. and, God, and he says, God was like, no, no, don't worry about it. I'm, I'm not asking you for it. Just go add everything up. So he sits there and he starts adding up the four accounts. And it was more than double what he had given. And he says, God told him this that morning. He said, what it took you 15 years to build, I doubled in one year. And I could have done it in a day if I had wanted to. What's the lesson here? It's the condition of the heart to respond and give to God whatever he tells you to give him. If God tells you to give the pair of shoes that you love the most to this person that you saw and you give it, God will reward you because it leads you to our third point, which our third point is this, the reward of generosity. The reward of generosity. So I gave you the definition for extravagance. Let me give you a definition for generosity. Generosity is giving something, expecting nothing in return. That's what generosity is. Mary did not expect anything back from anointing the feet of Jesus. Now, when we think about this and we process it for a second, we answered the question of why did it bother Judas so much, right? We answered that question. Why did it bother Judas? Because he was selfish. So that question was answered. So let's ask the question. Why would Mary give such an extravagant offering? And why or what was the reward? Well, let's first talk about the reward. Go to Mark chapter 14. Real quickly, Mark chapter 14, write it down, verses 8 and 9. They're going to put it on the screen. Mark 14, 8 and 9. She has done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. She did it not expecting a reward, but because God cannot not reward you. When we talk about Mary today, she's still being honored. She's still being honored today because of her extravagant gift thousands of years ago. So you ask the question, why did she give such an extravagant offering? And the answer is actually there, what we read in John. See, who was at the table? Lazarus. Who was Lazarus? Her brother. What happened two months before? He died. He was put in a grave for four days. And Jesus came and went to the thing and said, Lazarus, come forth. Her brother, who was dead, was raised from the dead. Generosity comes from a heart of gratitude. And because she was grateful for what God had done for her in her brother, she had no issues in giving to God whatever God impressed upon her heart. And to take it to another level, it says that he was anointed for burial. Let's talk a little bit about what the customs 
of someone dying in that time period was. When they died, as immediately after dying, they were anointed with about 100 pounds of spices and, and aromatics and perfumes. They anointed the body before putting it in the grave. However, because Jesus died right before the sundown of going into the Sabbath, there was no time to anoint his body. So they put him in the grave. And when you read the resurrection story, it says that they came to the grave on Sunday with about 100 pounds of the spices to anoint his body. But Jesus had already checked out. He was already gone from the grave. So her extravagant gift was the anointing for his burial. And the reward, because God is a rewarder, was that forever people talk about her extravagant gift, which came out of gratitude. Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews chapter 11, verse number six says, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Let me tell you something about this word rewarder. In the original Greek language, it is a five syllable word and it only appears one time in the entire Bible. One time. And it's referencing our heavenly father who is the rewarder. And when you look at what the word means, it means to give extravagantly to the person. God is the rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Church, the question we need to always ask ourselves are we being generous? I want to give you this example. This is going to give you a depiction of what this rewarder means. Imagine you find somebody's wallet. And you find this wallet, it has their ID, and it has cash in it. And so you look up the person, you find the person, and you give them back. You bring back to them what is already theirs without touching anything on it. And that person looks at it and says, man, you didn't even touch anything. And I had $50 cash on there. And they go and give you a $500 reward. That's extravagant and generous. That is the depiction of when we bring and give to God whatever he asks of us, that it is in his nature to reward and bless. And he, I know it's a double negative, but I'm sorry, bear with me. It's the truth. He cannot not reward you. He cannot not reward you. So every day we need to ask ourselves that question. Am I generous? Am I listening to the voice of God and doing what he asks me to do or give, expecting nothing back, but knowing that he is a rewarder? And even though I did it expecting nothing back, he finds a way always to reward me because he's a faithful God and a true God. Every day we ask ourselves the question, am I generous? Am I putting aside selfishness and out of a heart of gratitude, bringing to God what he wants?